Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Read? What's happening? Am I dead? I bet you like zombie books. I like food. Do you have food? You don't need food at dividedbyzerobooks.com. It's full of nutrient-rich science fiction. Ugh, I'm stuck in an ad, aren't I? Once I stop talking, reality will collapse until someone plays this ad again. This isn't the first time we've had this discussion, and it won't be the last. Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? So, have you had a chance to look more on Shadowplay? Yes, I have. It's actually one thing I was looking forward to talking about because I got to um, I got to your to what you did for me in uh, I think it's chapter I want to say chapter eight. It's a chapter right after the reveal that Janet is possibly you know an, art, an artificial imposter. Um, sure. the, the first flashback chapter where. Um, it like shows her on Titan during the during the war during this during their civil war, and I remember when I read that you you had you had a very like long chain of comments about how the actual conversation between Janet and uh, Master Sergeant Bracken would have gone, and I look at that and I was like, you know, that's exactly right. I was stupid. So what I did is again we I did this kind of thing where I didn't go all the way to what your suggestion was, but I kind of met in the middle. Instead yeah. of having it start, instead of having a chapter be Janet coming back from like getting the heads of the people who killed uh, Lieutenant Lang, um, I had her like going to the master sergeant like and saying, "Hey, I'm gonna take three guys outside the wire and we're gonna kill these folks." And then him basically saying, "You're stupid. You shouldn't do that. And if you do, you're gonna get the three people under you killed. And that's why you're not doing. That's why you need to grow up and learn how to be a good leader." Because I actually I promoted her. I made her a corporal instead of a senior spacer, um, and I, I had him. I had it basically be a learning moment where it's her, and 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 the reason I wanted the reason I wanted I decided to do this. Part of the reason anyway is because it ties back into later stuff where she's like endangering other people for the purposes of this like trying trying to stop Project Erebus. It, you know everything is cyclical. It's like that. It's like that bit from. You know, uh, to detect everything we've ever done, we're just going to keep doing over and over again. You know, and, and, and at this at this point, like you know, what is it like, 15 years or something before, you know, more than 15 years before the events of the story, she's trying to say, hey, I'm going to take th- I'm going to take the three guys on my fire team, and we're going to go on a little headhunting mission. And he basically tells her, hey, that's that's not a good idea because you're not only going to get yourself killed, you're going to get your three your three fire team members killed. And they, they, you know, they look up to you for leadership, whether you like it or not. And that I think ties in well later on in the, like the, the regular story, because again, you know, she's, she's not only responsible for herself, she's responsible for Alyssa after she t- comes into the story. She's responsible for zero to a certain extent. And she's responsible for these other people that end up getting roped into this story, including those two technicians at the, uh, at the um, internet place, basically. So it's like, it kind of ties into that. So it's not just a story about her past. It's also a story about um, her as a person. And, and hopefully we'll be able to show some growth from it. Because obviously when she, at, at that point in her life, when she was still on Titan fighting, she's not thinking about that sort of thing. She's thinking, oh, well, we're going to go kill these fuckers because they, they shot missiles at us and killed, our, killed this lieutenant that we all like. Um, whereas later on in life, she's like, she's actually 
had some character growth and she's racking her brains over should I endanger these people who are, you know, who are looking to me for leadership and guidance just because of this horrible thing that could upend the, you know, the status quo of the entire like solar, solar society. And she ultimately had, you know, decides, yes, we have to, but she actually is like worrying about it as opposed to, as opposed to like going off half cocked, which is what the, which is what Bracken tells her, you know, he tells her, you think with your fists, which is good for being a grunt, but it's not good for being a leader. I so. like that. That's a good, that's a good update to it. What did you think about my uh, backstory for Pepper? I like, I liked it. I, I tweaked it a little bit. I didn't, I don't, I don't think I kept all of the stuff about his dad and everything. Cause I didn't want to get too into too much specifics about a character who was only really going to be like a MacGuffin, yeah. but I did keep some of the stuff about him being like sort of a womanizer and like a Lothario or whatever. Cause it, yeah. it kind of, it kind of leaves open. So it's like, well, wait a second. Is, is Janet wanting to get revenge for this guy just because he was a, a good Lieutenant or because they had like a fling. Yeah. And, it kind of like, and, and I think I, I, I tried to kind of leave it open. So if it's like, if it's too open, not maybe not, you, you, you'll you, hopefully you'll be able to tell when you, when you get the draft back um, and, okay. and make, make your own judgment on that. But yeah, and the main thing I wanted to do with that was just keep the stuff where it's like, yeah, he was kind of a womanizer and a, and a you know, sleeper, sleep arounder. Um, but I, I, I don't think I kept the, the, all of these specific, more specific details about like, oh, his dad, you know, had, he had to live up to his dad. and Because then, it, it, to me, anyway, it seemed like it was going to, into too much detail about a character who, again, was just going to be sort of, oh, well, we want to go on this headhunting mission because he died, because he was killed. But yeah. That's really all there is. Okay. I I look forward to seeing uh, the next yeah. draft and how... Because, I mean, by and large, I mean... I wouldn't even say by and large, you know, like a hundred percent. This your 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 suggestions are good, you know. Oh, I, I can take that personally. I, yeah, I, you don't know, no, no. like the, the little the little line edits, like removing yeah. words and stuff like that. T terrific, because that's stuff that because that, that it's it's stuff that I wouldn't think to do, and it yeah. streamlines the story. Remove like even even times where you'd remove whole paragraphs, you know, like you'll cut a line at the end of one paragraph and you like skip a couple paragraphs down. Again, it's that's kind of editing that like my mentor at NASA would do, which is basically yeah. making things more brief and more streamlined and more efficient because yeah. that's not something that I traditionally am good at when it comes to writing. I'm good at like verbose, you know, beating people over the heads with all the fancy words I know, as you are, you know, painfully aware, I'm sure, from looking at three of my books now. Um, I look so, forward to, to co-writing with you on many uh, projects, sir. Yes. And uh, I really like that you're taking what I put and you're kind of developing it to more in your voice. Mm -hmm. because that's, I mean, that's the, that, that's the whole plan on yeah. this. And which is like, which is like, you know, I, I was listening to the children of the gods episode yesterday, just to make sure they're, you know, it's just like, it give you the metrics. And so that, um, yeah. and so I could make sure there wasn't anything in there that I didn't want broadcast to the world. There, there wasn't, you know, I was sort of hesitant about maybe some of the dating stuff, but then I decided, you know what? I don't think the person I'm talking about is ever going to even know this podcast exists. So I really don't give a shit. But, um, but um, yeah, with, with well, it's like what you said about that. So, you know, that's some might call that teamwork, that line of yours, um, where you take, an, take what I've written and 
sort of spin it or maybe not even spin it, but like bend it to your style. And then I take that and I sort of bend it back towards my style a little bit. And eventually we have a straight pole. We have a, we yeah. have a, we have a straight arrow leading from one from point A to point B in, in the plot, as opposed to like these like winding something rather that I wrote or that you might you know try and hammer away at. You know, we 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 make a, we make a finished product basically is what I'm trying to say. I think the finished product uh, uh, with this method we're doing with us bouncing back and forth and building off each other will be better than, you know, what, any, what anything either one of us could do on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm definitely not married to anything. Also, sometimes I was working on this after about three beers. So <laughs> I might not remember everything either. Well, God, what was it? Um, you know, sometimes altered states are not the, the worst thing for creativity. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it was was it Neil Young? I think it was Neil Young who wrote like three or four really famous songs where he was like really sick with a fever, and yeah. you know it's like you know sometimes it's not some I mean it's not something you want to chase, but like you know, I'll say this: one time when I was still working third shift. Uh, I think I've told you this story. One time when I was working third shift, so I was working you know, overnight at, at this grocery store, stocking yeah. shelves basically. One night I was sick because my med- I'd like I had been I'd run out of medicine, and I was having like brain shocks where it's like you know oh well my my brain chemistry is like eating itself because my chem because my medicine is not helping to maintain it and it's like going through withdrawal basically, mm-hmm. um, which is not a fun place to be. I, 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 had to, I had to drive home at like two or three in the morning feeling that way. And me being the infinitely, you know, intelligent, wise person that I apparently am decided, okay, I'm having like basically withdrawal symptoms and it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm driving through the dark in Noblesville, Indiana. Let's listen to some Pink Floyd. <laughs> so I basically had a, I basically, I basically had a, uh, a Pink Floyd high moment. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I never had those sort of withdrawals, but I don't nicotine withdrawals a real bitch. Yeah, um, I've heard. I I think we have at least. So I'll do another draft, mm-hmm. and then you do another draft, and then I'll see if we can get like my wife to take a peek at it and see what she <clears> thinks. Yep, and then. Because I, I, I like that idea, and I, I'll say when I'll say why. The reason I like that you've like suggested having Meg look at it is because she can provide like a dispassionate. I think, and I think you mentioned this too. She can provide a dispassionate sort of third party view, because yeah. obviously, you know, and I say that not to say like that she doesn't care, but it's that she's not as invested in all of the all the world building and stuff. She could look exactly. at it from more like a from more liter- literary perspective. You know, you're looking yeah. at it from the perspective of someone who, as we've already covered on this show, is a fan of the world. Now obviously yeah. I'm a fan of the world because I created it and it like keeps me entertained when nothing else does. Um, where she could look at it and be like, oh well, this doesn't necessarily work from a liter- literary perspective, where this doesn't necessarily work from a character building perspective. Look at things like that. Yeah. We might not notice because we're too involved in the and in the, in the sort of more meat, more nitty gritty of like sci-fi world building and 
storytelling and like the yeah. war stuff make sure like basically um it's kind of like the difference between how you say that i look at things from thirty thousand feet and you look at things from three feet she can yeah. look at things from more like 30 feet yeah you know, where... I, I what i'll probably do with her is actually when i get my draft back or when i get your latest draft back mm-hmm. is since it's a it's a long book um I'll probably, whenever I think she would be interested or have a space to look at it or whatever, I'll probably say, hey, what do you think of these three pages or whatever, right? And, you know, because I know for me, every, everything I do that she's involved in is raised dramatically. It's so much better. It's so much more focused. Um, What did you think of when Janet is chasing the uh, Zaharan through the red light district or whatever it was called. I like that too. I liked how you, I liked how you suggested changing it to the pink haired one that was already there. And I, and I went with that because I decided, yeah. I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those things where you see it a suggestion sometimes you're just like, Oh yeah, obviously yeah. that was one of those moments for me because Having it be like, oh, well, she's warning this third one that we haven't seen yet. That didn't make as much sense as just having her. And sorry, I'm rolling my sleeves as I talk here. Um, You're fine. It didn't have as much sense as having her just be the contact herself. Because sure. she's already there. She's She works at this place. You know, we've already established through her partner that they knew about these, you know, unlicensed uh, Zarns that were coming through the facility, through the through the restaurant or through the hotel, whatever the hell it was, or the hell, or whatever the hell it's supposed to be, the the, the the establishment. Yeah. And um, why not just have her be the one who knows things? Because obviously, in the end, we don't know. We, we don't find out what she knows because they because they, they she dies. They, they you know the, yeah. the local agents kill her. You know, is what it's as it's alluded to anyway. But no. Why not just sort of cut out the middleman, kill two birds with one stone, as it were? That's based. That's how I edit, right? I'm not really like, oh, this is where the Oxford comma goes. I'm not even sure what Oxford comma is. If you ask me what it, for a definition, I'd have to look it up. I know what a comma is, but I don't know the difference between a comma and an Oxford comma. Or if they're the same thing, I couldn't tell you. But my editing is more like, oh, you could take this sentence from five words to three, you know. Mm-hmm that sort of thing you don't need this character you could pull this whole like i before we hopped on this call like i'm and i haven't talked about this on the show yet and by the time this airs i've already done it i'm going through a stand-up comedy boot camp right now where we're basically learning how to write a five minute uh stand-up set yep and i've got a guy uh in the class and funnily enough, me and him were at the same base in Iraq at the same time. Mm-hmm. He was one of the Marines that were there. And I was like, oh, I've probably seen your dick at some point. <laughs> I was one of the medics at the clinic. But he's like, no, no, it wasn't you. It would have been Mike Horman. And I'm like, sure, whatever. I saw a lot of dick. I couldn't point it out anyway. Like, I, they all look the same after you see enough penises. And, <laughs> um, and he sent me his set and I was doing for him kind of what I was doing for, you know, our book Shadow Play, which was just cutting lines, cutting lines, cutting lines. And like, 
he's like me in that when building the stand-up set you think oh i've got a lot of funny weird fucked up sad stories i'll just tell a bunch of those but then it doesn't what works for a podcast doesn't work for a novel which doesn't work for a short story which doesn't work for a stand-up set like it's its own specific like art form and it took me a minute to figure out exactly what a joke was in terms of a stand-up set and you know and, and how to write it and how to put it together and stuff which i finally did and so it was cool and and I, that's probably one of my best talents as a creative person is being like we can cut like 80 percent of this and like then you build from there um no and two i know what other suggestions i put in for shadow play yeah. of where you're at right now and so my hesitation earlier was just because i was like oh i'm gonna let him discover those and then I'm not going to tell you what it is. I want you to see it and then think about it for yourself and then get back to me on the podcast next time you see it, next time yep. we do this. So, but I'm glad you're liking it. I'm glad you liked, cause, and then again, that Pepper thing where I wrote this whole backstory where he hit like multiple wives and like a boyfriend off on a planet somewhere, but he never told his dad, but his dad always knew he was kind of gay and he loved him anyway, right? That was just stream of consciousness me like i was jazz riffing then so i'm not married to anything except my wife we'll put it that way <laughs> and so i i never if you don't like if you don't take one of my suggestions that's totally cool you are the creative uh, uh you're gene roddenberry and i'm one of the writers in the writer's room of next generation that's kind of how i see it right like We'll do drafts back and forth of, the, of, of of a script and the analogy, but you have, you're the showrunner. You have the final, like, oh, this is the way this is going to go. And I'm like, cool, because when we publish it, it'll be by Nick Oakes and Derwin Lester. Your name will be big on top. And then, you know, you'll, it'll all be from your umbrella of a universe, right? And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to, to, to start putting those out through the website too. It's like the yep. ebook versions there and, you know, <laughs> the only part, <laughs> well, okay. The Europa Goodbye is going to be easier to record as an audiobook because I have a deep managed voice that lends itself well toward like sad melancholic veterans, right? That's just me talking. <laughs> And so with a, a book about women, we might, because my wife has done uh, some uh, pretty awesome <clears throat> acting work. And yes, I wrote the work and yes, I directed and produced it. You know, so I'm biased, but she, um, we might have her just play Janet. We might find someone else to play uh, Alyssa. So you're up to chapter eight. Is that right? I'm, I'm, I just started chapter nine last night. I, I had to, when did I stop? Might have even been the night before last. I can't remember what I did yesterday. I keep getting myself involved in all these like map making projects and doing things to like add on the blog. So I like it. I to the frequency, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The frequency. I love it. It's like I I I I I was getting notifications and I'm like, oh, he did it. That's great. And I try to like write a thing, and yep, I appreciate that. Yeah. Helps keep it, keeps me going. Yeah. And you know 
I mean, even if right now if this is just for like us and the 15 other people that seem to read it, because I always see like it just says, oh, there's 12 people viewed it or whatever. Yep. But you know, we and, I, get- and I've been trying to share those links to those blog posts on like the on my world's channel on uh, tough sci-fi, so that people who like want to like who are interested can find them there. So. Again, I don't know if like anyone actually clicks, but I'm hoping they do. Well, I know that um, you did one about Titan, which I think mm-hmm. dovetails into Europa Goodbye. Yeah. And that one's got something like 15, 16 views on it, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's not bad. Um, but- or something that we basically started in you know, effectively in a spare room of our lives, you know, that's pretty much, that's, that's not nothing. I mean, that's what, you know, that's what I've, I mean, that's what Divided by Zero Books has always been. It's Mm -hmm. been this thing I'm working on in the spare room. And what's really great is having a partner like you is, is I, when it felt like it was just me, kind of like oh what am i doing you know yeah. like i mean there are other people involved but you know having a partner that's like oh i want to post blogs on the website and i want to be engaged in the podcast and i want to do all this cool stuff then you know it's it's i'm like oh i can build a thing mm-hmm. you know we're building a thing, which is cool like Like I can provide material, you find out where to put it. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, hell, I like, got- I, I'm making I'm making the bricks, and you're the one who's assembling them into a house. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think I'm helping out make the bricks too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, we'll <laughs> say that. But and and two, it's nice that I get to um, work on novels with you, mm-hmm. and then be like, oh, I'm still writing but also i don't have the burden of because when i write it's all i think you know it's my entire focus i was looking at uh, google ads and seeing what that's up to and i'm like oh four dollars cool yeah (laughs) go buy yourself a go buy yourself a sandwich at mcdonald's well i can't cash out till it's over 100 oh man (laughs) i just have a few sandwiches i got a minute yeah um yeah um, no I, I i'm excited for our partnership i'm excited for what we'll yeah. build together um speaking of europa goodbye where are you on that if we, if i may ask chapter five okay i am not i think I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm i'm anxiously waiting for you to get to chapter six because chapter six is the first flashback chapter in europa goodbye and i want you i want to see what you have to say about that because it's that's like darius at war Oh, that's chapter three. I did that already. Oh, wait a second. I've seen him in... He's flashed back already. Oh, well, I'll put it this way. There's like, there's a brief flashback where it's like him like having a dream, like during a regular chapter. Chapter six is the first one where it's like in situ, where it's like him actually... It's it's, it's, the entire chapter is set in the past, if that makes any sense. It's kind of like the flashback chapters in... um, the shadow play where Jan, where it's like Janet in the past as opposed to Janet thinking about the past. Yeah. 
And I know, I know our cover artist, Matt Sweeney, is still hard at work with yep. our uh, book cover for Shadowplay, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen any new updates yet, but he's asking me like specifics, like, how do you want the this thing? And I'm like, oh, we'll do it like that. Yep. And a lot of the times with that sort of thing, you know, uh, even even when we're paying customers, I'm always like, oh, we'll just kind of give general directions. And then whenever they kind of add their own flair to it that you didn't think of, be like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Thank you. You know, <laughs> I'm pretty as long as it's just generally what I was looking for. If it's a little bit unique and different and awesome, I'll take that. Definitely. Um, with Shadowplay, I'm I'm really excited about working on Shadowplay and Europa Goodbye kind of like in tandem just because we can we can develop um, since those character the main characters of both books used to be married with each other mm-hmm. we can kind of develop two sides of a failed marriage at the same time yep <laughs> and so that's that's pretty cool and and I'm excited for that. Like after since I've got I've got my five minute stand up set written out. Like it's done. I don't mm-hmm. want to send it to you because I want you to be surprised. Yeah. When, uh, on the night of the whole set's about you, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It, it's I was waiting for that. Just kidding. I was like, I know he's gonna say just kidding. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, once once I get uh. Um, those nine chapters knocked out. I'll send those to you mm-hmm. because I got a feeling by the time I finish those up, you'll probably have you're halfway done with shadow play. Yep. So you're getting you're getting that done a lot faster than I did. But granted, I think I was God, it took me what four months to get back to you. Well, part of it too is that I've already seen the story, obviously intensely so like all i'm really looking for and you know i don't know if this is like like revealing too much about my work back like how shoddy my work my work methods are or not um i'm basically just looking for stuff that you've changed or, or changes you've suggested um, yeah. because if it's not like if there's not like lines like crossed out or if there's not notes on this and a sidebar about how things could be improved or altered then I'm like, okay, well, he must not have had any, you know, he, he must have thought, okay, this is okay, this is good to go. So I just yeah. skip over it. I mean, I read it to make sure that I know it's, that I recall what's going on. But for the most part, unless I like have to go back and like change something retroactively because of something that I changed later on because of a suggestion, then I don't really mess with most of the text. So I'm just looking at, again, like line edits and um, comments and things like that. Sure. Um... Well, that's good. I, yeah, there was a couple spots where I like, I cut out whole pages. Did you see those? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I I might not have gotten to them yet, but I think I've seen a couple. Okay, Um, and a lot of it too is just uh, uh, getting characters from point A to point B faster. Mm. You know, again, I am a tremendous fan of this universe and the world, and I can't thank you enough. For giving me this opportunity to to be a co-author with you to work on these with you mm-hmm. to because i the ideas i've been having lately are like oh you you know i'm not a visual artist guy i'm just not that guy you know but 
you seem to be at least you have some talent for it so you know like that like that ship in the background right mm-hmm. can you make that thing spin uh i can i can animate the what it does i can animate it but um can you it would, animate it to make now. it spin yeah, I can not, like not this, right this second. Yeah, well, because like what what Blender is actually meant for isn't just 3D modeling. You can also do animations. Okay. Because like, remind me, I can send I, for your own personal edification. I can send you a link to one of uh, Theo's animations of Lunar War stuff, which is from Tough Sci-Fi, where it's like again models they've made this this guy has made in Blender for this other world building you know universe called the lunar war um okay. and it's like these ships that are supposedly like u.s space force ships from about 30 years in the future and they're like fighting in orbit of the moon and um you know it's really cool stuff and it's all done in blender from what i understand so i could i could definitely um animate something like this it was like what what you see behind me in this on the on the screen. Uh, I would just have to learn how to do it because I haven't actually animated stuff yet before. Well, here's what I'm thinking. You've got a couple of ships, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talked about this, and this, you know, um, I mean, obviously the novels take precedent because if the novels aren't published, then you know none of the supporting stuff really matters if the main thing, the main product, doesn't get out there. But you know, we take that ship in the background, we make it spin, and then maybe the, the and and then you see the planet rotating, mm-hmm. right? And then as those are happening, every thirty-five seconds, a star shoots across the the, the background. You know, there's some maybe like a like another ship. You know, some little dot of a ship that has like wings on it that's not super developed off in the background just enough just enough information to tell you that a ship is moving and so we do this so then you have some interesting visual stuff right but also i'm trying to make suggestions that i think that you could easily learn you know i hope that doesn't sound derogatory this is all so far above my understanding i'm just trying not to pitch star wars (laughs) but we do that and then like we take those blog posts that you've been posting and then we figure out you know like like when we're going to release one about mark when we're going to release fucking um, um shadow play we get all the ones that are pertinent to mars or whatever and then we put mars in the background mars is spinning and then you got a ship in the foreground the ship's rotating as it orbits mars and then Maybe there's like a space station that kind of zooms by. Maybe there's a ship, whatever. While the while the viewer is seeing this in the YouTube video, my wife is narrating it. Like an AI would be narrating uh, uh, an encyclopedia entry. Like if you called up, you're in the future and you say, hey, I want to learn about the Martian War or whatever. And then, and then she goes, oh, welcome to the frequency. This is blah, 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 blah. Yep. You feel me? Yep. What do you think? Yeah, I like it. I uh, I have to learn a good bit more about Blender, but hey, you know, like I said, like I think I said, again, one thing that I talked about in the Children of the Gods episode that I was listening to yesterday, the reason I started teaching myself Blender is so that I could have these skills for like 
regular stuff. So if I, if someone wanted me to do like multimedia, you know, 3D modeling for a NASA, for instance, I would be able to say, hey, yeah, I know how to do that. Let me, let me, let me open yeah. up my app. Let me open up my Blender uh, application. Um, all all so of my does not comport over to my day job whatsoever. <laughs> all this shit I taught myself there's no applications of it in my regular job but no I think I think we could do that and then because I've got simple animated videos that are kind of short stories that are kind of this mm -hmm. on the YouTube on the YouTube you're, you're subscribed to the YouTube channel right let me fix that I don't know if I am let me see that there's a YouTube channel and is it what is it is it just divided by zero books or blanket fortress the solitude okay okay i am now subscribed sorry now, about that <laughs> you are okay sir you 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 know you only really been involved in the in the spotify one um but with this, we could we could start adding, you know, like the visual components in. Mm -hmm. So, yep, like the like the video component to it, right? Real simple animation, you know. But like, I think I think that's definitely something you could do, and that's something we could accomplish together. Mm -hmm. And you know, I was thinking about this earlier, and and again, I. When you and me went our separate ways, I a couple years ago, I was I don't think I was ready for the level of partnership we have now. Right? Uh, I was I know I wasn't. Yeah, neither one of us. We'll say that, you know. And but honest to God, this is kind of what I had in mind years ago. You know, where I'm like, oh, it's like a world I want to fucking play in and you know I'll probably like whenever we get the novels going um, I'll probably start writing my own short stories in the spacers universe yeah right like like that one I told you about where like, do, do they have teleporters in the spacers universe I'm playing with bringing them back because okay. I think one of the projects that I've sort of been fiddling with on the side while I've also been doing like shadow play and Europa goodbye and stuff is, is tailoring is, is tweaking up the script for Petrichor, which used yeah. to be like a five or six episode season of a show. Now is a, a one, a one movie thing. And now is a movie. Um, and, uh, one of the things I did in my, uh, edits of it, is I brought back um, uh, the, the brought back transference. Yes, the, the the light speed teleportation, whatever you want to call it. Um, because I figured having that, even as like sort of a side, like less, even even if it's sort of like just a parlor trick of like certain small factions in the universe, it opens up the ability to do things that make it, make it more sci-fi than it would be if it was just hard science, hard, hard, hard science fiction. That makes me think, you know how we talked about um, uh, rewriting Shit Spacers book two to kind of fit your new narrative, your new lore. 
and one of the big things is that there is no transference. Mm-hmm. Why not make that the defining thing? Where like someone went back in time and stopped the discovery of transference. Hmm. That shifts the timeline to what it is now. Mm-hmm. Because everything's it's you've got a lot of the same big events that happen, but they happen in different ways with different characters and different planets, basically, right? Yep. And so that's a way we could use cam we could use the the also we got those three covers that we got from mark baker yeah he's awesome and that's normally he charges 300 bucks a piece for those he was cool enough just to do them because he likes me right like like when i tell you i called in all my favors i called it i cashed in all my chips on that one man <laughs> um wow yeah yeah i did not know that i think yeah. i think you might have told me that once before but i did not remember it well that was when like like you said like like we said neither one of us were quite ready for this level of partnership back then however i want to use those book covers <laughs> so yeah i get you and you've got this cool story there and i'm like oh we can find a way to fucking still use it and so cam the main character is Spacers Book One, now available on DividedByZeroBooks.com. Um, is you know wakes up in Book Two and he goes, "Oh, the world's different. Why is that? I'm going to transference out of here. What's transference? You don't know." And then, you know, that explains. Yep. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, yeah. should we get into today's Stargate episode? Sure thing. Let's hit it up. Um, today. We are covering, I'm on gateworld.net, season two, episode three, Prisoners, where as per gateworld.net, SG-1 is put on trial and exiled to a prison world where a woman maintains a strange control over her fellow prisoners. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on this episode, sir? I've always kind of liked this episode, even though it's definitely not one of the like greatest episodes of Stargate. But it's because, again, you know, it, it shows Stargate doing what Stargate does best, which is simple world building that isn't too overblown, um, good character development, um, and also good villain development, which we can get into later on in this in our in our chat. But, you know, oh, we've, got, we've, we've, we've got we've got this like in, we've got this interesting character in Linnea, the, you know, the woman who like controls the prison basically, um, and. You know, we see we see General we see General Hammond go through the Stargate for the first time, yeah. and you know he even like uh, has his little moment where he's like the things I do for these people, um, <laughs> and you sort of you sort of you, it, it sort of reminds us that yeah oh yeah Don S Davis was actually like an officer in the army at one point, so he knows what he's talking about. You can just smell the you know just bitterness and regret in his voice. Mm-hmm. Like I can't believe I did this shit again. Um. What I liked there was, you know, so they, so just to set the table, SG-1 is on this weird swamp planet. A dude runs up. He's like, help me. They're here. Trandor is here. Or Taldor. Taldor is here. And they're like, who's Taldor? And then they get beamed up to this black room with a a big light over them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you will be on trial. You helped a murderer. And they're like, what? And then they get sent to a prison planet. 
Instead, Daniel compares to Botany Bay, which is yes, which is in a way, in a sort of tangential way, a very nice sort of reference to old Star Trek, as well as being obviously a historical reference because that's what the ship that uh, Khan was was marooned on was called SS Botany Bay. I I heard him say that. I was like Botany Bay, Botany Bay. Oh no. <laughs> I was so excited for a second. <laughs> and it was... Yeah, and I like the part where, like, this guy kills himself. I don't... Okay, I don't like that. Let's start over. So there is a part <laughs> where a guy killed himself. And the thing I liked, not the suicide, that's sad, but where this dude's dragging a dead body and our four heroes show are there. And they're like, hey, what's going on? He goes, oh, I didn't kill him. Jack O'Neill's like, sure you didn't. And then the guy who did her, who's looting a body, turns to Tilko and goes, Oh, you're strong. You'll beat up the strong man here, right? Yeah. And then maybe we'll be friends. And Tilko's like, Pass. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to be a friend. <laughs> and, and, and it was the, the villain of the piece who comes off as kind of just like this prison, sort of like she runs the place. But then you see her use like the rings that the ghoul use. Yeah. Would she? She's got. Would she's she got some kind of device. We don't. It's never really explained exactly what it is, but it's capable of like knocking people out or killing people, obviously, because he yeah. killed what's his face, the big, the big smelly guy, Mishnur. Um, and it just goes to show. I think one of the he, here's the thing that I was thinking about last night after I watched this, because I watched this last night like 11 o'clock at night after. You know, after like the world was shut down or whatever, and everybody else was asleep, um, is that it kind of is a subversion of and almost a rebuttal to the uh, prime directive trope from Star Trek. Because literally, the episode starts with the SG 1 team violating the prime directive. They accidentally get in, even though they do it accidentally. They get involved in the politics of this world that they have nothing. They have no idea what what's going on, why or or, or the where's or why's or or hows or who's or whatever. Um, but they then get punished for it and get sent to prison. And while they're in prison, they further violate the what what you know again what Starfleet would consider the prime directive by messing around with the politics of this prison planet. Um, <laughs> And they end up springing this person from prison who turns out to be, quote unquote, the destroyer of worlds. And it just goes to show, you know, you no know, good, no good deed goes unpunished. That's kind of the lesson of the episode. Um, and it, it goes to show that you know, the, 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 sort of, the sort of hidden lesson is, you know, if, if you're on a prison planet, the person who controls the prison planet is probably the worst one of the bunch, not the best <laughs> one of the bunch. Um, that's how it works. Uh, and it just, it, they, they, if anything, you know, we can get to this later on too, because obviously they, I think they bring this character back later for a one-off, but they, they sort of set Linnea up to be some like major recurring villain and then they never bring her back really, except once. Um, I was wondering about that. Yeah. They set her up to be like this new sort of, oh, are we going to see her again? And then we never really do, to, tell yeah. you, you know, to be a hundred percent honest. But it's it still paints an interesting picture, at least for this one case, because we see how SG1's actions have consequences. It's kind of like um, 
you know, we see this a lot in Stargate Atlantis, for example, which you which you haven't seen. So when we get to that, you'll be able to see it, you know, because obviously Stargate Atlantis is kind of like a cross between Deep Space Nine and Voyager. You've got this team that's on this planet, on this planet, uh, this base. It's in a whole other galaxy from Earth. And for the first season, they're trapped there. Um, and one of the major recurring themes of that show is that everything the Atlantis expedition does has unintended repercussions for the rest of their time there, you know, because they, they're, in, they're inadvertently influencing local politics and inadvertently that they, they inadvertently awaken the ancient enemy that then becomes the main enemy for the entire series. Um, so it's kind of their fault that the galaxy is, is threatened and the Earth is threatened to a certain extent. Bummer. And, um, that's that's a major theme in Stargate is that is you know we they don't follow the prime directive but they kind of always had this tongue-in-cheek way of poking fun at how yeah maybe the prime directive for all its faults isn't a hundred percent bad maybe it's because, there for a reason yeah because sticking your fingers in like the local sociopolitics and geopolitics of these alien planets that we really know nothing about is a recipe for causing all sorts of crazy disasters that we can't predict how they're going to turn out I mean, we did help the, the Mujahideen team in the 1980s against the Soviets, who then became the Taliban. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's so, basically, that's, that's probably the classic lesson in U.S. you know, geopolitical history. And yeah. it really is, but, you know, it's, it's, it's blowback is what the term yeah. is. You know, it's, for every action, there's an equals and opposite reaction. And every time the U.S. government has gotten involved in... Um, He's gotten involved in like toppling governments or rearranging governments or things of that nature. It sure. ends up um, blowing, it ends up having repercussions. And sometimes those repercussions are worse than the thing we were originally trying to prevent. Yeah, not long term thinkers sometimes. Yeah. Ugh, sorry, I'm getting the thing off my front door. You're fine. Ugh, that's why I'm outside right now. Really compelling broadcast between Derwin's over here. Now he's over there. Luckily, the, view, the listeners will never see any of this. <laughs> Maybe this would be what's on the Patreon. I don't know, just the video <laughs> component for it. Um, Derwin's outdoors adventure. Yep. Hey, cat, get back. Hey, get back. Whenever I open the door, she likes to make a run for the grass. Silly animal. Silly animal. Animals are just like people, and they're really, really dumb. <laughs> I don't know. I like animals better for the most part. Yeah. What's the line um, from Mark Twain? The more and more I know about people, the more and more I love my cat. Yeah. I do love my cats. No, I um, I love this episode. Like you said about how the Prime Directive, how they should maybe, you know... As much as Jack O'Neill brags about all this time in Laka, <laughs> they brought back the destroyer of worlds to Earth. Which, you know, it's, it's funny. I don't think I thought about this until I watched this episode this time when Jack O'Neill is like giving advice to Daniel about not wearing his glasses while they're in the prison because he and says, you know, take it from me. Signs of weakness are not good in prison. That's from when Jack was in a prisoner of war camp. Yeah. He was in a, a Jack, camp as, as we find out, I think in the first season, maybe in the second, sometime in these early seasons, Jack was a prisoner of war during the Gulf War for yeah. a while. 
and he was captured during the Gulf War and was a prisoner in Iraq for a while. So yeah. that shining through. Yeah, but, and um, they don't really spell it out. They kind of reference it. And if you pay yeah. attention to the series, you pick it up. Yeah, but I would like it's just good world building. It doesn't beat us over the head with it. It lets us, it lets us paint in the let's just paint in the, the, the empty spaces as we go. Yeah. And I like how they end the episode with the lady with, what's her name? Lenina. Uh, getting off Earth and then just, you know, out into the world. Because if you look at gateworld.net, it says, Lenina created a plague on the world she was on whether it was on her, whether or not it was her homeworld is not specified. She may have been a gate traveler, although her apparent unfamiliarity with the Sergate network makes this unlikely. The plague was designed to be one she couldn't get. Half the planet's population died, and Lania promised to save the rest. And so, yeah, it's it's kind of a. I kind of wish they'd done more with her, and I remember watching the episode I'm like I recognize the actress but I wasn't sure where it's uh it, it she's married to the Bill Daniels who played Mr. Feeney on Boy Meets World <laughs> did you ever watch Boy Meets World or is that too no. old I guess okay. I think that's just before I was like old enough to pay attention to television and actually know what was going on okay yeah so for like a whole you know you're probably about five years too young but you know, for like anybody 35 and older, you know, you're like, oh my God, it's Mr. Feeney's wife. <laughs> and his, her name is Bonnie Bartlett. And she only had a couple episodes in Boy Meets World, but to kind of highlight her as a guest actress, and I'll read the opening paragraph to her Wikipedia page, which is Bonnie Bartlett, born June 20, 1929, is an American actress. Her career spans seven decades with her first major role being on 1950s daytime soap opera, Life or Love of Life. Bonnie is known for her role as Grace Snyder Edwards in the Michael Landon television series, Little House on the Prairie, and as Ellen Craig on the medical drama series, St. Elsewhere. Her husband, William Daniels, played her fictional husband, Dr. Mark Craig, and they both won Emmy Awards on the same night in 1986 becoming the first married couple to accomplish the feat since Alfred Lunt and Len uh, Fontenay in 1965. Hmm. And it's kind of cool that uh, they use all these like classic stars like that. I like that aspect of uh, Stargate yeah. too. Um, it's, it's something that we see a lot in sci-fi, especially TV sci-fi. Movie sci-fi, you know, maybe. Uh, and, yeah. and really any, anymore, yeah, you can kind of go both ways because, you know, there's so many famous old actors. But the thing about TV is TV is, it has more has more legs behind it. You know, the, the, the phenomenon of TV, of movie universes or series, whatever you want to call them, that go on for decades or more, or more than a decade, that's a recent thing, really, um, for yeah. the most part. I mean, there's, there's certain, there's always exceptions to every rule. But with TV, it's a different it's a different story. You can have actors who are well-known TV actors who've been around for ages and have been in shows that go on for 5, 10, 15 years, whatever. Um, so bringing them, like you said, bringing them around to guest star in shows like Stargate 
is interesting because it's like, oh yeah, look at that person. Oh, that, that I know that person. Um, yeah, it's a lot that of, sort of thing. I know them. And I don't think you know, my so, nose on camera right now. It's compelling broadcasting. Hold on, hold on. I got it. Yep. Nope. Hold on. Ah, there it is. Okay. So I've it's uh, we're friends. <laughs> I've I've done the same thing. Believe me. So um, anyway, the thing about TV is, especially with like sci-fi TV, and especially with these like Vancouver produced um, sci-fi shows, you see a lot of the same actors come back over and over again. Like, you know, there's actors who show up in, in the Stargate and in, in Stargate and like multiple times, even in the Stargate series, they show up multiple times in the Star Trek series from the nineties and early two thousands. They show up in the expanse because all of these shows are produced by like the same companies. And there's only so many actors to go around. You know, Canada is not that big a country um, when it comes to population, all, that, all things considered. Um, After we're done with Stargate, we'll have to go into either Oh, God. <laughs> I say that there's 10 seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to watch The Expanse at some point. Yes, you do. But I got there's a lot. I keep telling myself I'm going to do a lot of things. Um, anyway, I, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, so next week we'll do season two, episode four, whatever that is. Sure. And we'll just do one episode at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of that trailer I cut yesterday for the podcast? I liked it. I liked it. It just to highlight some of like the the best bits of like discussing what we do in order to highlight what it is we do. That's kind of was the thinking yeah. was like, oh, this is. I've been doing the Blank Fortress of Solitude for almost three years now, and I'm like, oh, this is the show. Mm-hmm. This is what the show needs to be, you know. And and yeah, that's that's good partnership there. You know, we meet somebody, we're like, oh, we can fucking build a thing together. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta get off. You got an appointment. Um, yeah, I have, I've got I got a little bit more time. It's not till two thirty. Okay. So I don't. Oh. To... <laughs> oh. I want to talk about this. Go ahead. So wait, hold on. Give me one second. Ah. That's the only. That's the downside to taking the plucking hairs. Is the nose runs a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't just eat a burger. I was scraping jelly beans out of my teeth. I didn't just eat a burger. I just want to. Yes, this is all stated in the episode. Derwin did not eat his own boogers on camera. That's not what happened. Derwin eats his boogers off camera. Everybody off camera. No. Um. They're doing another Stargate. Yep. I kept thinking we we're going to talk about this on the show, and I almost signed off and forgot. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I don't know what to think because we've seen what happens when Amazon takes a well-known, well-respected property and does it over again with none of the original people involved. We saw that with Rings of Power, and Rings of Power obviously rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and kind of for good reason. You know, I've talked with people who really legitimately hated that series. And I, I watched an episode and I was like, meh, I'm probably not going to watch anymore. It doesn't really hurt me, but it's like, I don't really care. Um, but I'm, I do care about Stargate. You know, yeah. Stargate is like 
even before I cared about Lord of the Rings, really, I cared about Stargate because I grew up watching Stargate with my dad. It was like my childhood, like, you know, show. So the idea that Amazon is just going to say, hey, we don't want any of the original showrunners or writers or producers involved. We're just going to do our own thing and sort of soft reboot. That petrifies me to a certain extent. Because on the one hand, there's a possibility they may see some reason and you know keep some of the original ideas and original characters and all these things and not not just ruin everything but on the other hand they could totally ruin everything and i'm like biting my nails off worrying what are they going to do because it says it says you know oh well, there's possibility of new movies and series coming out and yeah that's good on the one hand but on the other hand it could just be a money grabbing Mm-hmm. operation you know where they're just trying to beat 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 you know, milk this poor horse until it's dry milk this poor cow until it's dry and you know what are we what are we supposed to do as the fans because you know if they ultimately decide they don't want to listen to our suggestions if they don't want to listen to our uh, to our fears then we can't stop them because they own the property you know they own the intellectual property now and they're going to do what they want and what just watch the old stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, that's that's what I did with Doctor Who. Like, you know, I I like Doctor Who all the way up to uh, the 13th Doctor, which was a woman. And I thought that was because she was a woman I didn't like her, which I know everyone's like, it's because, no, it's not that. It's it's such a it was such a drastic shift in character because the 12th doctor was this like this middle-aged guy who's soaked in melancholy and bitterness and regret from all of the lives he couldn't save and all he hears if he ever stops moving is the screams of all the ones he loved that he lost right this is guy wrapped in pathos and regret and all he and the only thing he wants to do is just save people and then it goes to the 13th doctor and then there's this hard shift in personality where on the 13th doctor there's a guy who's being chased by an alien that wants to kill him and so the guy wins pushes the alien off the bridge alien dies the doctor turns to that guy and says you didn't have the right to do that. And I'm like, yeah, he did. He was, was going to kill him. Like, he killed him first. That's how that goes. You genocided a whole planet during the time war. You know. <laughs> Let's not pretend you haven't had your hands in the cookie jar, doctor. But, and so it was, you know, it, it the tone, the shift in that was so dramatic it went from being a guy who's made a hundred thousand mistakes and just wants to keep people alive to someone who kind of pretentiously sort of just tells people what to do and kind of like you know it it gets preachy and it's you know yep it, it it's it just wasn't the same vibe. Mm-hmm. I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, this kind of sucks. And so <laughs> then I stopped watching. I haven't watched New Doctor Who in years. 
But yeah. I'll go back. There is a scene, and I probably talked about this in the show before. There is a scene from the Twelfth Doctor where some he's there's a a shape shifting terrorist that wants to start like an insurgency war to kill all the humans on Earth, and he's trying to talk the shape shifter out of it. And then, and fuck, this makes me cry every time I see it. Like every time I see it, I, I get welled up because the shape difference is like, what do you know about war? And he goes, I knew, I was, I fought in a bigger war than you could ever imagine. And when I close my eyes, all I hear are the screams of the souls I couldn't save. And fuck, dude, I am choking up just thinking about it. It's, it is perfection. It is the best thing ever. I, I go back to that whenever I need a good cry. I'll watch that episode. And, and so with Stargate, you know, if this new one sucks, we'll just keep doing the rewatch. We'll always <laughs> like, have Paris. We'll always have Paris. Did you ever watch the one where it's like the origin series about Catherine? No, because I heard it was rough. We should watch it just to see if it's bad or not. Like with New Trek, so, okay, large parts of New Trek suck. But, you know, there is, like Discovery is a prime example. Discovery, there is spots in Discovery that are fucking fantastic. Discovery likes to put characters in convoluted, stupid situations that they then have to fight their way out of. And that's, it's almost like if you as an officer said, oh, we're going to go to this place and and everything in my head's like, oh, well, you've been to that place. You know, the place is dangerous. You know, they want to kill you. But you're like, yeah, but, you know, they've got my chewing gum and I want my chewing gum back. And then everyone's like, sir, what do you mean? We've got let's, you know, and, and it kind of becomes from this like unearned sense of like authority that's not demonstrated with actions you know it's like if you go to a college campus and somebody's just like a pretentious asshole and i and they they say you know like oh well this is the way the world should be but all their actions indicate what a huge fuck up they are that's what that's what watching discovery is like and it's infuriating so i gave discovery a chance and then uh I stopped about two seasons ago, but some parts of New Trek are good. I don't know. I I'm a glutton for punishment. I'll 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 watch a bad show for a while. I'm three seasons into Picard. It took Picard three seasons to get really good, but and then I've heard third season is starting to go off the rails again already. <laughs> really? Well, okay. Well, I'll tell well, you. Uh, this is what I saw. I saw that joke that I shared on the on. on the Facebook page about yeah. I have a new I have a new secret villain. Do you have a new secret villain or do you have the Borg? I have a new <laughs> secret villain. Okay, cool. Show me the new secret villain, and she hands him a Borg cube. It's not wildly inventive, um, but it's you know it's it's kind of like I saw Kiss in concert in the summer of 2019. Uh huh. I know how Love Gun goes. I've heard Detroit Rock City before. <laughs> but I got to see him do it one more time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and Picard Season 3 is kind of... 
the best fucking greatest hits album you ever did see of Star Trek, right? It yep. doesn't really reinvent the wheel, but in its defense, seasons one and two were trying out wheels that had like squares, right? Yeah. And so Picard season three is saying, hey, maybe instead of a square wheel, let's try a round one. You know? <laughs> let's get this and old brown wheel out of storage and see if it works. Exactly. You know, there's there's parts that you watch and you're like, oh, well, you know, like for instance, you know, there was a there was an episode where they're like they're being chased by the bad guys. And then Picard's like, you know what we'll do to get the bad guys? We'll lure them onto our ship and we'll trap them. And guess what happens? It doesn't work. The bad guys take over the fucking ship because of course they do. Like, and so there's some spots where you're like, oh, well, you could have done that differently. You know, you could put some more thought into it. But no, so fuck, back to Stargate. <laughs> well, here, here's, the, here's what I have to say about Stargate reinventing the wheel. Stargate has tried to reinvent the wheel before, and I've seen it. It was called Stargate Universe. And Stargate Universe, if you haven't seen it, was once described by like an internet commentator of some type or another that I saw back when it was actually airing in like 2012 or whatever that Stargate Universe was the Stargate showrunners attempt to make Stargate more like the Battlestar Galactica reboot make it oh, yeah, young that's and sexy you know that's 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 uh I mean you could tell because it took place on a ship and it was very like yeah and it, 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 and it, but it's not just like the storyline it's like the characterization the plot like the way the plots develop the way the characters develop it's very much like a young uh, young young people who are like in gritty plots and like sexy like storylines it's, it's 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 trying to it's trying to steal some of Battlestar Galactica Battlestar Galactica reboots thunder so they can make Stargate fresh again and I just didn't like it some people love it but I, a lot of people, especially that first season, the second season, people said kind of found its stride. But the first season, a lot of people just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Why Me did it rub you the wrong way? Because I didn't, I mean, this may just be me. I didn't want to see Stargate change. And I think that's me being kind of like a lot of fans are about their stuff. When it's, when Star, when Star, when Star Trek tried to change to New Trek, a lot of, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because they weren't ready to see change. When Star Wars tried to change into, you know, the sequel trilogy, and then some of the follow, and then some of the series that are going on now, run a lot of people the wrong way because I didn't, they weren't ready to see Star Wars change. I wasn't ready to see Stargate change in the, in the like fall or summer or whatever it was of 2012 when Stargate Universe started airing, um, and I, it, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth because I mean, I'd grown up watching this show that had been. A different way and you know I I came to I came to love it the way it was so I kind of understand where people are coming from when they, when they do things like oh I don't like that the show has changed it's time to it's not the way it was when I fell in love with it you know it's on the one hand it's kind of an immature sort of asshole thing to think but on the other hand it comes from a place of trying to defend something that's important to you so it's kind of a hard thing to to approach i get that i think i mean it goes back to like when people 
they don't like the change because like if, if you found Stargate SG-1 when you were like 10 mm -hmm. and you fucking loved it hardcore your whole life and then it changes you know like that's a part of your program right yeah. or, or like in that Stargate might be the most stable thing you ever had in your whole fucking life not you this is a hypothetical person um where like you know and and to change that i i i think about that with the military a lot of the time a lot of people you know and this is sort of similar but it's a little bit different the idea of people hating change where like there's an analogy i like to use where in the military, they tell you if you don't tie your, sh you know, you have to have such intense attention to detail that if you tie your shoes the wrong way, you will die and kill everyone around you and you will burn in hell knowing that it's your fault. And then you get out and then three years later, uh, they're letting recruits wear Velcro boots, right? To where you put all that effort, there was all that pressure and you had so much status and success and the idea that you tying your shoes the right way is going to save your life and the life of the people around you and now they're wearing velcro boots so it's it it, it throws people off right and you know so it's, like it's the same syndrome as people who are like well i had to pay for my college so why are they letting why are they talking about uh you know the relieving debt for all of these college students who have gone through college recently it's like well your what you did doesn't necessarily invalidate the fact that someone else shouldn't have to suffer I, it, well but because then they've realized because they've internalized their suffering they've said that they then they have to realize then they would have to see that they didn't have to suffer that poverty yes. isn't a virtue that mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't a choice with, they made, but it was a choice someone else made for them, right? Yep. And and it's an admission of a lack of power. And to be honest, I did more than most people in this fucking country to get free college. And I want all of them to get free college. I want everybody to have access to free college and free health care. I did more than hundreds of millions of people yeah well okay i mean if we're like one if one percent of the population is a veteran then yes but what let's let's say i did more than tens of millions of people right mm -hmm. to get free college and free health care and i want everybody across the board to have access to it because them having something just because i suffered doesn't mean they have to yep you know, fuck. Sorry, I get so worked up about people like no, you're fine. Find their I'm the one who brought it up. No, you're okay. You're okay. Because like, no, the reason I bring it up is because it's, it's it's a similar impulse. It's the impulse to pull the ladder up after yourself after you've climbed yeah. up into the attic to escape the flood. You know, yeah, that's people, so up. people of people who have enjoyed fandom stuff. People people have enjoyed. Uh, you know, fictional universes or whatever we want to call them and then pulled the universe that pulled the ladder up after themselves to saying no you can't change this thing because i loved it the way it was you know 30 years ago or whatever that's that's stupid 
because yeah. everything evolution is a natural part of life as anything else in this world so why should fandom not evolve too so even me even i who you know again will admit that i'm a little scared how they're going to treat stargate you're right if i don't like it i'll just watch the old stuff i own all the old stuff you know i can watch it whenever i want um on amazon yeah um, hopefully they won't take it off amazon for new to make room for the new stuff but i imagine they'll i mean they're gonna if they're smart they'll it'll be a continuation of the old stuff like like there'll be there's so much but there's almost 20 seasons worth of content there mm-hmm. like there's probably a thousand hours of television you know plus movies and all sorts of tie-in media like to throw that away would be ridiculous yeah literally. and you know i'll i'll definitely watch whatever they put out and, and definitely give it a chance um mm-hmm. and you know i i i can't imagine I, I can't really think of a way that they would do it to where i wouldn't like it you know like what yeah. what's your what's your like What's your nightmare scenario for this? Like, what's the worst that could happen here? Oh, see, that's the thing. It's not even really logical because I don't really have a nightmare scenario that I can point to. Yeah. I just I want it to be to feel like the original that I want. Like, I don't want to. If anything, it's kind of what you just touched on. It's not not so much like a stylistic choice. It's more of a lore choice. Like, what are they going to do? What are we going to do if they reboot the series? Like, if they say, well, we're going to get rid of everything aside from the original movie. We're not really even going to follow that. It's like, well, for, for fuck's sake, we had, you know, 10 seasons of SG-1. We had five seasons of Atlantis. We had two seasons of Universe. I really don't care about one way or the other, but they're still part of the lore. We have several movies. You know, we have all these other tie-in things and you're just going to abandon all that so you can do your own thing because that's you know it's it's the same reason a lot of people will rub the wrong way by the very by from the very from the very beginning of the star wars uh sequel trilogy because they took all this cool stuff that star wars had done for you know 30 years or whatever of what we now call legends and they just threw it out the window. Basically, now yeah. they're bringing some of it back in. They're bringing back Thrawn. They're bringing back a lot of these elements and sort of painting them back into this world they're making now because they sort of realize that people still like that stuff. I think is really what it is. But you know, when, when they said, "Oh, well, we're going to do away with all this lore between you know, Return uh, of the Jedi." And this new movie that we're making, which is set 30 years later, people were kind of like, huh, what? You're throwing away all this stuff that we spent the last 30 years enjoying and investing in? It seemed yeah. ridiculous. So why in the hell is Amazon even considering throwing away 17 seasons worth of content, you know, 17 seasons and two movies worth of content, just so they can have their own thing that's entirely their own? It seems it's, it seems asinine. I don't think they're going to do that, though. Okay. I, I, I don't think so. They'll probably they'll probably have just enough connective tissue to where the the longtime fans are happy. Yeah. And then they'll have enough new stuff to where people can have it as a jumping on point, right? Like Richard Dean Anderson, yeah, he was kind of a recluse for a while, but now you see him like on, online. He's like doing cons in Europe and everything. Yep. And so I bet they're trotting him out to kind of you know galvanize support for this new thing they got mm-hmm. coming up and i i would bet money that i don't know they're gonna 
you know, reboot the SGT team or whatever, and then they're going to bring back old General O'Neill to run the base or give him a good send-off or whatever. Yeah. They'll probably have him be like some retired elder statesman now because, again, one of the major things – and this, this is me being hopeful. Because I'm, I, you know, this is this is the part. This is this is the half of me that's like, yeah, this could actually work out. We could have some really cool content. Because, um, like, you know, there's been talk about, how, oh, well, if they redid the series, they would have the Stargate program be disclosed to the public, um, mm-hmm. and then they would deal with the repercussions of that, in addition to whatever other stuff is going on in the in the galaxy and in the universe. Um, and that could be a really cool thing. It's like, you know, General O'Neill is retired. But he's like this elder statesman who sort of like help who's like becomes a, a public figure basically because of his role throughout the history of the Stargate program and all the time he saved the world. And he doesn't yeah. really want this publicity. He just wants to retire in his, in his shack with his like retired Air Force wife, you know. Yeah. Uh, wing, wing, nudge, nudge. And, the man and the car. Fish for, yeah. And fin, fish for fish that aren't there. But it's like he, he, he it's like there's people who are like making pilgrimages, like ask him questions about how, that time when you saved earth from an asteroid that had like a knack with a bomb on it how did that work it's like we just leave me alone i just want to i just want to fish for fish that aren't there um and that's that's kind of like the start of it and like one day someone shows up who's like once asking questions like listen i told you people i'm not answering any more any more questions and it's like well, wait a second i'm trying to put together a new sg team because stargate command needs to get its its act together because there's like this new threat out there um it's funny because I used, I don't have them as much anymore for some reason, probably because I'm like not as stressed and I'm like not having weird dreams often. But I've had I used to have like story dreams, like movie dreams, where I have, yeah. like, I'd have a dream that was basically like a movie in and of itself. And one of the ones I had that I like that I remember most vividly was one a couple maybe a year or two ago when they were starting to talk about like maybe bringing back Stargate. I think that was basically. What was what was Stargate series look Stargate sequel series look like? And it was I, I might have even had a couple varieties of this of this dream, because there for a while when I was watching Stargate with my dad and our roommate, because we, we watched through, we watched through SG One with with our roommate Mike, um, when he was living with us. Uh, you know, I would have Stargate dreams all the time because we were watching, you know, a couple episodes of Stargate a night, and, um, you know. I'd, I'd occasionally have dreams that I was like a member of SG-1 that I, that I was hanging out at, at Stargate Command or whatever. And one of these dreams was set like kind of what I would almost like to see star, a Stargate, you know, a new Stargate series be set about 30 years later, maybe 20 years later, whatever it is, um, however long it's been. And with some of the original character, with some of the original cast coming back as like elder statesmen of the, like the Stargate universe as they're dealing with like disclosure and new threats to the galaxy and so on and so forth. Um, Walter be the, the guy in charge. Yeah. Walter Walter's, is the new Wal- general. Walter's like now the, the chief master sergeant of the Air Force or something and he's like Exactly. <laughs> you know, he's and and I I I I would be so sh- shocked if they didn't build off the old stuff because in and that would make the most sense is if they had a new series but the twist is oh it's been disclosed the public knows about it mm-hmm. what do we do yeah and so that's that's how you make it different yeah and the public says, i mean 
Because that opens up so many cool options for storylines, too. Because yeah. you don't have to keep the original cast around forever or, or have yeah. them come all that frequently. Because I know they're getting older, especially Richard Dean Anderson. He's, in, I think, like 70 now. You know, yeah. He's older than, than they actually ha- like paint him in the show, for, ex- for example. Um, but you have them show up as like special guests. Like that. Like I said, you can have Richard Dean Anderson and, and Amanda Tapping show up as like this old, like retired married couple who are living in, in Minnesota or whatever. And people are like trying to bug them with questions about their time in the Stargate program. And then one day this like Air Force, like young Air Force officer shows up and he's like, well, wait a second. I'm trying to put together a new SG-1 because we just discovered there's this threat coming from out there. Like the Wraith are trying to come into, who knows what it would be. It's probably something completely, that's probably where the new stuff would come in, would be the, yeah. this new threat. Like there's parts from parts of the galaxy that we haven't, um, that we haven't, uh, you know, recon before or whatever. Um, it's, it's, galaxy's a big place. Because they can do a callback to the first step, the Children of the Gods and the movie itself where O'Neill is up on his roof and maybe he's looking through like a, a telescope and then an Air Force colonel walks up mm-hmm. and Samantha Carter opens the door and goes, oh yeah, he's in there. And then it kind of calls back to the pilot and it calls back to the first episode or the first movie. And fuck, I want to watch this show now. <laughs> I need I need to like write a spec script and send it and, and send it to friggin' Amazon and say, hey, you don't have to pay me just take this idea, run with it. No, fuck that. They pay you. Yes, <laughs> I was about to say. But yes, please pay me. Please pay me all the same. Yeah. Anyway, so you got to hop off because of your appointment here coming up, right? Yep, it's just about 20 minutes. Okay. Well, you want to hop off now? Sure, we can stop recording. We can maybe talk for a minute. Okay. What? Well, for the Blanket Fortress of Solitude, I am Derwin. And I am Nick. We will see you next Monday morning at 0700.